1: Hey, everybody, it's Matthew Collar here. We're talking Vikings football five days a week on Purple Daily, available on Apple, Spotify, and the Score North app or wherever you find your podcasts. And look, if you're tight on time right now and you can only listen to one segment from today's show, here it is. I think it was the, you know, the camaraderie we had. Um, You know, guys really buying in, believing in one another, believing in ourselves, our individual talent but then just putting it together, you know, sacrificing Absolutely. the individual um, for the success and the goals of a team. That was Minnesota Vikings safety Anthony Harris, Matthew Collar here on Purple Daily, and uh, we welcome him to the show from the Star Tribune. He's been working on a series looking at each position. Andrew Kramer, what's going on, Andrew? Hey, Matthew, not much. Good to be on. Yeah, well, isn't it? Um, so I've been also doing something similar because we all are because our team is home and not playing in the Super Bowl. So going from position to position and the secondary is one of the most challenging to figure out. I felt like I was working on that one for hours and hours with like, well, wait, if this happens, then they got to do this. And then there's this guy. And then what are they going to do with this guy? Um, can we just start out with Anthony Harris? Do you think it's worth the money if Anthony Harris comes to the Vikings? and says 14 mil a year that's the going price for top safeties I led the league in picks I led the league in pro football focus grade pay me that money is that worth it for a team that is in salary cap jail
0: yeah as you put it jail and that's that's just really what it is for the Vikings right now I I don't think it is Um, I, I know how great of a player Anthony Harris is I know he came up through the practice squad, the special teams pipeline, much like the Adam Thielen's and all the other homegrown stars for the Vikings, he is the kind of player that they want to pay. Um, I just, I don't think you can make it work unless you're totally shedding guys like Linval Joseph, Everson Griffin, Xavier Rhodes. Unless you are gutting this defense to keep him, I just don't know how financially you make it work. And oh, by the way, Harrison Smith is two years now left on this current deal that is, you know, uh, criminally underpaying him. Uh, he's deserving of his own new contract as well. So there's just a lot of moving pieces, Matt. And I just, I don't know if you can pay Anthony without gutting half your defense.
1: So is it a bad idea to gut half the defense? This is what it kept coming into my mind as I was looking position to position. And looking at what they're paying some people, It's they're just not worth it. I mean, we know that Xavier Rhodes is going to be, um, what did you just zip up a jacket right there? What was that noise? Um so, <laughs>
0: Is that a cat? that was actually. I've Got to go outside, man. Oh, okay. I don't think it's so, snowing. Okay.
1: Well, that is I don't know why that came through so loud and clear. Like, what is that? Um but it was too loud to just keep talking. Anyway, so, uh, but like, you know, you look at Linval Joseph's contract, and there's just no way that what he brings to the table now is worth what they're paying him. The same with Xavier Rhodes. And even the second half of the season on Everson Griffin, Andrew, it, it just didn't add up to what he's going to want to get paid. So I don't even think it's a crazy bad idea if they did make a lot of changes here and start to move some of these younger players into these spots
0: now to keep playing devil's advocate though they they had arguably the nfl's best safety tandem you know if if not number one maybe number two number three something like that and they still were an average pass defense it's true and you've you've still seen anderson dejos robert Blanton's, um whoever start next to harrison and this pass defense has been pretty good so is the position worth that value i, I think that's an argument that they have to kind of look at honestly and say look do we do we need you know 28 million dollars in cap space tied up to two safeties or can we get by with just the guy next to Harrison as we've done for so many years
1: and here's what i really want to know andrew is when rick spielman and the wilfs and mike zimmer sit in a room and they talk about the direction of the team let's just say gary's there because you know he's gary and <laughs> And they're talking about, all right, here's what we want to do. Here's the tough decisions, as Zimmer talked about in his final press conference of the year. And here's what we have to make. And, hey, sorry, Mike, I know that you want to pay this guy and this guy and this guy, but we really need a left guard and we really need another wide receiver who could help us out and so on. And we really want to pay Delvin. Like, Do you think Mike Zimmer would be willing to sacrifice some of the talent on the defensive side? And, and the Vikings were one of the highest in the league in their cap hit spent on defense. Is he willing to say, you know what, I'll put out some of the players that I've developed over a couple of years, like your Holton Hill, your Mike Hughes, your Afadi Adenabo, in these key spots uh, to sacrifice for the offense, or w- do you think that that's going to be a real battle between the front office and Zimmer for how they want to approach the future here?
0: I think it has to be, uh, especially because we know, just being around this team as much as, as you and I both have in the recent years, how much personnel sway that mike zimmer has it's it's fairly significant um now he's obviously not the gm he's not the gm coach like the bill belichick but he's still got a very strong say on the kind of players they go look for who they draft um and so yes absolutely that's going to be a a tug of war we heard it two years ago uh, before they paid kirk cousins it was mike zimmer sitting on a plush couch in some hotel in indianapolis talking about how hey, you know what, it's great to pay these top quarterbacks, but it better not come at the cost of my defense. Well, right now, it's going to, and, and it should. And I think they're at the point now where they overpaid Anthony Barr to keep him. Um, and now you're at the point where you got to kind of come to terms with that and move on from some of these guys. And, and probably it's going to be an Everson Griffin or a Xavier Rhodes. Um, I I would love to be a fly on the wall, though, for some of these conversations, particularly – when it comes to some of the homegrown players like Anthony Harris, a guy who I'm sure Mike Zimmer takes pretty good pride in developing over these past few years.
1: Yeah, for sure. I love how you made uh, the hotel sit-down with Zimmer sound so cool right there. Like we're on a cool <laughs> couch and Zimmer's just talking ball, which uh, it is It is one of the best times to connect with with Zimmer on these things in the offseason. Um, so let's talk about the cornerbacks, Andrew. Uh, who are they? Who's playing corner? I mean, so Courtney Cronin and I were debating this the other day. It's a good place to start is Trey Waynes. I've been looking at Trey Waynes for several years as a guy that you just don't pay. Because he's okay, but he's not great, and he's going to get overpaid. And the comparison that I made was like Prince Amakamura, who makes 9 or $10 million a year, and it's just okay. A team with a bunch of cap space can afford to sign okay as an improvement, Uh, But this team doesn't have that cap space. So where would you stand on Waynes? Do you think he is gone, or is Zimmer going to look at him like one of those guys that he developed?
0: That's just it. they're they're always going to have these ties. And the Vikings front office and and probably the coaching staff and Zimmer, they make so many, they seem to make emotional decisions at times. And when they have connections to guys. And, you know, when Barr came crawling back to the negotiating table last year and they gave him more money... Uh they keep Kyle Rudolph. Um I mean just some of these decisions are kind of connected based on the fact of like, hey, this is our guy. This is the kind of guy we want here. Um, Trey could fall in that category, especially because it's no secret, Mackenzie Alexander and J. Ron Kurse are not, you know, dying to come back here. So mm-hmm. if you lose those two guys, you've all of a sudden maybe have to pay Trey if you're viewing it that way of, hey, we don't want to totally start over a corner because oh, by the way, Mike Hughes has a broken vertebrae in his neck. And he's the only guy who's got any experience who's set to come back on a cheaper contract. So, to me, I, look, if, personally, if, if I'm playing GM, no, I'm not paying Trey Waynes. But if they can't get any of their guys to stay and they don't like Xavier Rhodes anymore, I could see them saying, you know what, just to maintain some kind of continuity here, we gotta, we got to pay Trey.
1: Andrew Kramer from the Star Tribune joining me here on Purple Daily and uh, his Twitter, Andrew underscore Kramer, is probably the best place to go find all of your tweeted out articles, I think, or if not, that the uh, Star Tribune website. Which you know, and you can also use that. Um, but looking at every single position, and the cornerbacks and safeties are just super fascinating because there's a couple of guys out there, Andrew. Someone like Chris Harris, who's a nickel corner, but that's really valuable in Mike's uh, defense. And then also Byron Jones. And I was thinking about this with Richard Sherman, where he was the same age as Chris Harris. And it really paid off for San Francisco to go all in on Richard Sherman. A fairly reasonable deal for them at the time, but he was just coming off an Achilles tear. Usually that is a horrific injury that ruins somebody's career, but it worked out for them. And I don't see any way that you can really stop the pass effectively if you don't have one of the elite corners or someone like Tyron Matthew that plays every single position on the field. I don't think that they could just say, let's hope that it works out with this guy or that guy, or let's bring back Trey, who's average." I think you need to find a better solution than that. And maybe it's in the draft uh, or it's spending a lot of money on one of these free agents.
0: Yeah. Chris Harris would be fascinating. Uh, He's, he's a guy that I could see Mike Zimmer just loving um, just based on the way he plays Um, that connection to Denver that he's got, obviously maybe Gary Kubiak has, has some sway there. That's a fascinating one I could see possibly happening. And to your point about not just staying average and just kind of staying status quo, that's the MO that the Vikings have to kind of look in the mirror and challenge themselves about this offseason, especially when it comes to the secondary. Um, it just is what we are good enough. And, and frankly, if this, the Vikings have kind of always prided themselves too on, on drafting and developing, right? Well, if, if they're so good at that, you know, why do you need these first round corners year in and year out? Yeah. I understand yep. the higher the draft pick, the better the guys, but why don't you trust? some of your coaches and now the, the coaches that they just basically fired and, and replaced in the defensive secondary, but uh, trust some of those guys to develop some of them and, and maybe spend some of that draft capital on your offensive line or something like that.
1: Yeah. That's, um, that's no, what I, I really want to know. Andrew is like, who, yeah, if, who's making the calls also. Do you, do you think of that? I think of that all the time. It's like who's making the calls here on how they're going to spend this cap space. Like does Gary Kubiak walk into the room and be like, guys, uh, the old Wranglers had enough of you spending on defense, time to spend on the offense a little more. I mean, what like how does this work out with these guys all making these decisions? Because you can't have bad corners, but you also can't spend every first-round pick on a corner.
0: Yeah, there are obviously disagreements. Um, I can tell you uh, not everybody was in agreement to re-sign Kyle Rudolph in that front office last spring. Mm-hmm. Yep. There was some thinking in there to trade him and just move on. And, and they did not like the compensation they were getting in offers and decided not to and decided to resign him. Uh, those are those kinds of decisions where you look back on it and go, man, that it just seems like an emotional decision and a homegrown decision and one where, yeah, you can't keep in a salary cap sport, as we keep saying over and over, you can't keep throwing money at people. And so they kind of got to look at cheaper resources at some point. And if they do gut the defense and let's say they decide to pay Anthony Harrison somehow still have money to go after Chris Harris Jr., that might be the best way to go about it and just let all these other cornerbacks walk.
1: Yeah, I think uh, you're right. And then also, you know, they gave uh, Holton Hill a lot of rope to play with by keeping him on the team. Uh, even though it was like strike three at least with getting suspended twice and then what happened with him failing a drug test at the Combine so there must be something there that they like uh, to put him in a position. He's kind of a wild card because we don't really know how they even feel about him and are they ready to put Chris Boyd in a position to play? Probably not. Mike Hughes having the health issues that's another thing so a lot of balls in the air for them. I do want to ask you Andrew about uh, Gary Kubiak becoming the offensive coordinator because in one way, I totally see it and I totally get why you would do this. They were really good on offense last year. Overall numbers were excellent. They're one of the top ten offenses in the league, and it's Gary Kubiak's offense. But also, I thought that the relationship with Kubiak and Stefanski was very good because Stefanski added more modern twists to a Kubiak offense. Do you think it's going to work the same to just have Kubiak in charge?
0: We're about to learn a lot about now, now we know we know how Gary Kubiak likes to run offenses. We've got enough sample size with other NFL teams, but we're going to learn a lot about just how he does it with Mike Zimmer um, because I am going to be fascinated to see how Stefanski calls things in Cleveland. Is he even more aggressive? And then, do the Vikings get even more conservative, as you said, with Stefanski leaving? Um, but to me, this—I I know you wrote about this too—but to me, this means almost. I would almost take the money to Vegas that they're going to uh, re-sign Kirk Cousins and re-sign Dalvin Cook with with Gary Kubiak stepping in as O.C. Because you were just doubling down on everything that you tried to do on offense, and those were your two main guys last year. And frankly, this almost is a sure thing to me, too, if they're going to try to trade Stephon Diggs. You don't keep two premium wide receivers in a two-tight end offense. It just doesn't make sense financially, and I think they can move Diggs out keep cooking cousins and kind of just keep the train moving down the same track.
1: Well, the, okay, so you drop a bombshell with the possibility of uh, trading Stefan Diggs. Now I have to follow up on that. Um, do you think that do you think it's really going to happen? Because if I'm the Vikings, I'm saying, oh, it's really nice that you want to go play in Baltimore or DC or whatever, but no, 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 no. Sorry. And especially what he did when Thielen was out, it really said something about his ability to take over games with some of the best receivers in the NFL, even if he doesn't have his number two there or 1A or 1B or whatever the way you want to put it. But if Diggs decides to play hardball about getting out. There's almost nothing you can do as the Vikings. So I, this is a situation that I think we should not just put in the back burner but still continue to discuss. Yeah,
0: there are two points to that, that to that topic that I would lead with. One is the fact that they've got no money, and you've, just, you've got to find a way to clear cap space. If that's in 2020. That's in beyond as well. Um, but also, I don't think Stephon Diggs is necessarily a Mike Zimmer guy. Mm. Um, I'm just venturing to guess that. I'm not reporting that, I'm not sourcing that. I'm just venturing to guess. And so I if Mike Zimmer's got as much sway personnel wise as we all assume, especially defensively, one way to free up a lot of money to keep some of those defenders is trading away that wide receiver. And I just I think you sell high. I think it makes sense after the year that Stefan had and, and you bring up how he played in lieu of Adam Thielen it was really well. And so I think if you sell high on that, try to get another first round pick for him somewhere. Um I don't think you have to cater to Stefan and trade him where he wants to go. If Buffalo wants to give up a first round pick, do it. Yeah. Uh get that first round pick, uh have two of them going into this year and then have all that extra money to to work with. I just it does not make sense to have two star wide receivers in an offense that's going to throw among the the fewest times in the NFL. It just doesn't make sense.
1: Yeah, I saw a stat the other day that when the Vikings are leading, they run at a higher percentage than any other team in the NFL, which kinda tells you a lot about the Zimmer philosophy. Uh last thing before I let you go, Andrew, um who's gonna win the Super Bowl, you think?
0: Oh, I think San Francisco, and and I actually I think it might resemble a lot of Kansas City's games to this point. I I think we could end up seeing um, San Francisco take an early lead, maybe even a three-score early lead. Kansas City crawls back, and then San Francisco wins at the very end. I just think they're better coached on both sides of the ball, and I cannot get out of my mind how that San Francisco defensive front just mauled people, Mm -hmm. uh, especially the Vikings, as we saw live in person a couple weeks
1: ago. I'm going Kansas City because I think Mahomes will run away from them. (laughs) They face the the perfect two teams to have a great defensive line against because neither quarterback would throw the ball if you rush them. Aaron Rodgers holds on to it. Cousins holds on to it. I think Mahomes can make enough plays off schedule that he's going to be able to beat him.
0: Yeah, it'll be a fun one. Either way, I'm looking forward to watching
1: it. Yeah, me too. Andrew Kramer of the Star Tribune. Really appreciate your time, Andrew. Thanks for coming on, man. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Yep. Follow him at uh, Andrew underscore Kramer with a K. K-R-A-M-M-E-R. You probably remember this because he used to have my job before he went to the Star Tribune. Um, And uh, Star Tribune beat reporter. And so you can check out his work there. He's done a really nice series. We've both been doing the same thing, essentially, which is when the season comes to an end, you deconstruct it and you tear it all down and you say, all right, what have we got left? And what did we learn about this last season? And I just uh, wrote about the linebackers, because we talked about the secondary to open up yesterday's show and how valuable I think it is that they find a replacement. And Andrew laid out really well there about just all the questions and how they're going to do it, because eventually the check comes and you have to pay it with the salary cap. And as brilliant as they are with the cap, and as much as they're willing to hand out cash – Nonetheless, it shows up, and you've got to make some really hard decisions. So I wrote about the linebackers, and I one thing I keep coming back to that I wonder, will it be different, is the Anthony Barr decision. And Andrew mentioned that they decided last year, even though there was some consternation about it, um, to bring back Kyle Rudolph, which ultimately was a good move for this year. And I don't know whether it will be in the future, but... I I think Kyle Rudolph is a very effective player and anyone who listens on a regular basis knows throw it to Kyle was a thing that we had this year because he's always going to catch it when you throw it to him. And that's still important to have. So I think Rudolph had a good year and justified his contract this season. Irv Smith would have had a tough time handling the full role. And I I I understood that move. I think it was a good move overall to keep Rudolph even late in his career. But the Anthony Barr contract His cap number jumps up this year from 5.6 million in the first year, and this goes to the check coming eventually. Because they designed it so it was a very low cap hit to fit everybody underneath the cap last offseason to only be 5.6. And that's when you know you're really going for it. When you set up these contracts that have much worse cap hits down the road. But for right now, it's fine. And that's how it was with Anthony Barr. $5.6 million cap hit 2019. No big deal. And he was probably worth that. But that goes up to $12.7 next year, and 15.5 in 2021, which is just mind-blowing for a guy who has been good, not great. And he's been somewhat effective as a pass rusher, but they don't use him as a pass rusher all the time. And over the last four years, his, I mean, even going back to his rookie year, his PFF grades are a roller coaster if you chart them out, which, no surprise, I did at uh, scorenorth.com, but last year it's under 60, In 2015, it's 90. In 2017 and 18, it's 70. He's kind of been all over the place, and from year to year, it could be hard to say exactly what you're going to get from Anthony Barr, how many impact plays he's going to make, which is what really shows up in those PFF grades. And this year, I just didn't feel like there were too many times that he was the guy making impact plays. As much as Mike Zimmer will tell us that, he is a unique combination, size, speed, and smarts, and he's going to make life difficult on opponents and all those sorts of things. He's a, he's a mastermind of the defense. He knows it super well. All those things are valuable. They're like underratedly valuable that you can tell Anthony Barr to do pretty much anything, and he can do it effectively. But if you're not one of the top players at your position, making 12.7 and then 15.5 on the cap over the next two years it isn't worth it. And that's where you wonder, as Andrew was talking about, how much they have to go to Mike Zimmer and say, we just can't let you be in charge of making these decisions with players that you're loyal to anymore because we don't have the cap space to do it. And I even thought about Anthony Barr as a potential trade guy. Like if the Indianapolis Colts called you up and said, we will give you a second round pick to get out from under that Anthony Barr contract, I think you might have to do it. Just to make the cap space. Because only cutting a few older players is really not going to do it that well down the road. And I don't think that they're going to make a move like that. But I wonder how much creativity will be used for this team um, to deal with their cap issues. Let's take a break. And when we come back, uh, we're going to go down to Miami. And one of my favorite people that I've ever met in this business. His name is Peter Carline, and he is from England and writes for the Daily Mail, but he comes to our fair country once a year for the Super Bowl and maybe every once in a while for something else to write, but mostly just for the Super Bowl. And so he's down in Miami. He's also a big Vikings fan. So we're going to get the report, what he thinks for Miami, plus his takes on the Vikings offseason. When we return, and you'll listen to Purple Daily here on Score North. Okay, close your eyes and imagine. Well, unless you're driving. Yes. Imagine you bought a scratch ticket from the Iowa Lottery. Or someone gave you one. Yes, right. And you scratch, and you've won. Won big. Yes. In fact, there are 13 holiday games with big cash prizes. And if you don't win, play it again. You can still win up to $100,000 in the VIP club. But you have to enter and see rules and complete details at ialottery.com slash VIP. Yes. Thank you. Think you can only get groceries delivered through Instacart.
0: Actually, you can shop over 900 stores, including Best Buy, Kroger, Sephora, Safeway, Bed Bath & Beyond, Dick's Sporting Goods, and more with fast delivery today. And with Klarna, you'll have more time to pay. So if you need a beret, a fillet, or stuff to play croquet while listening to reggae down by the bay with a divorcee and a toupee, Instacart and Klarna is a better way to shop.
1: Man, I lost it. Download the Instacart app and start shopping. Terms apply.